you get an email from an unknown doctor. Is it spam or is it the answer to all your prayers? Welcome back to Teacher Tales, where we follow one teacher fighting her way through career burnout to find work-life balance and educational bliss, if it still exists. On this episode of Teacher Tales, we learn three infallible ways to fight teacher burnout and find the work-life balance you're seeking. But first, another tale from your favorite teacher. Tegan Raines, a powerhouse of passion and dedication, juggled the roles of a loving wife, a caring mother, and a devoted teacher. Immersed in the whirlwind of grading, emails, and a myriad of responsibilities, Tegan often teetered on the edge of exhaustion, yet, with a resilient spirit, she would humorously mutter Jay-Z's famous lyrics, This can't be life. One day, buried in the relentless demands of planning and grading, Tegan stumbled upon a beacon of hope in one of the countless educational spam emails. The headline screamed, Mastering Work-Life Balance, Secrets Unveiled by Dr. Wyndham. Despite her initial skepticism, an ember of optimism flickered within her as she signed up, whispering to herself, this seminar could be the key to balance, or at the very least, a welcome day off. Lord knows I could use both. In a nondescript hotel conference room, Dr. Wyndham, a distinguished and charismatic speaker, took the stage, weaving a tapestry of humorous anecdotes into profound insights on work-life balance. Tegan, initially wearing an amused expression, found herself utterly captivated, silently acknowledging, this is not just informative, it's entertaining. During the networking session, Tegan encountered a kindred spirit in Sarah, a fellow teacher who claimed to have mastered the elusive art of work-life balance. Sarah shared her secrets and recommended a support group for working parents sparking a fire of excitement within Tegan. Sarah seems to have cracked the code. Perhaps I can glean wisdom from her and others in that support group. Maybe, just maybe, I can make this work. Armed with renewed hope, Tegan left the seminar with a determination to apply these newfound tactics, but not before the laundry was sorted, of course. She embarked on a journey of restructuring her daily routine, awakening an hour earlier to fuel her mind and body through meditation and exercise. Tegan, the epitome of resilience, leaned on her fellow teachers for both academic and emotional support, unearthing invaluable insights and discovering an engaging podcast on work-life balance. Despite the occasional tumultuous day, Tegan found herself reveling in a surplus of good days. She embraced the understanding that even with the noblest intentions, achieving work-life balance was a continuous journey with its inevitable stumbles along the way. In the grand finale, the lesson from Dr. Wyndham and the unwavering support of her fellow co-workers propelled Tegan to new heights. Work-life balance became not just an aspiration, 
but a dynamic, evolving reality. One worthy pursuing for the sake of her family and her indomitable spirit. Daily, Tegan whispered to herself, the mantras forged through her transformative journey. Number one, self-discipline. Rein it in, Tegan. Rein it in. Number two, use your resources. You're not in this alone. And number three, it's a journey, not a destination. Tegan, a force to be reckoned with, found herself not just navigating her roles as a wife, mother, and teacher, but mastering the symphony of her existence with a newfound vigor and unyielding determination. Wow, way to go, Tegan. So let's go. Number one, self-discipline. So this one is obviously difficult for everyone in, in some aspects. So the way that I try, try to maintain self-discipline are through, of course, timers, like making sure like, okay, you got one video, one YouTube video, 30 minutes and then you're up, you're done, back to work. And sometimes you do need to set a timer because timers, they trigger something in our brain that it's time, it's time to move. It's time to switch. It's time to start or stop something. So timers are good. Reminders, not the same as a timer. So for example, I have this reminder after I do my, my tardy station duty. The timer is at two o'clock and it says, go back to your room. <laughs> so that reminder is just there to tell me, okay, you know, get out the hallways, get back focused on what you need to do. Go back to your room. Usually I have to grab my laptop or maybe I may be changing to get ready for a workout and grabbing my laptop. Maybe I need to put some grades in, all of the above, lesson planning, so on and so forth. But this reminder helps me to stay on track. And that's just one thing. Um, the next thing is definitely calendar. So with the stuff that I do outside of school, you know, with obviously having a podcast, um, doing stuff at church, you know, uh, softball, one of my favorite things to do. I have to have a calendar. And that's not just for me. It's also for my wonderful wife who supports me in everything. The calendar helps me to see, OK, what do I need to do today? Because if it's not on the calendar, I'm probably going to forget. So calendars are awesome. And then the last thing that I think sometimes is overlooked in education because we're a lot of times working in silos. We don't necessarily have somebody else that we are working with every single day, but an accountability partner. So somebody, this is typically going to be a friend, like usually somebody that's holding you accountable or somebody that knows you that can call you out and you're not going to, you know, get too upset. You may get a little annoyed because who likes being called out, but they help to keep you on track. Like, hey, Mr. Franklin, get it together. We got to take care of some business. So that's number one, self-discipline. Number two, use your resources. So I had a conversation with a, a teacher. Shout out, you know who you are. And we kind of talked a little bit back and forth about resources. And basically he was like, I don't have any resources. The stuff that I want to do for my classroom, the stuff that I want to do in education, the resources just aren't there in the school that I work in. And obviously that is 
his experience. And depending on what school and what district you work in, the resources may be abundant or they may be scarce. So I know for the school that I work in and what I do, I honestly don't need a ton of resources. Um, I teach speech class or communications. There's not really a lot that is put on me as a requirement for graduation in my district, but it's not a core class. So typically, you know, people don't really bother you if you're not a core class. That's been my experience. And I'm always trying to do my best and trying to make things work and try to be creative in the classroom. So a lot of times for me, the human resource is the greatest resource because I need people that I can like bounce ideas off of. I have specific teachers that I call when I'm like thinking of something like, okay, what do you think about this? What about this? You know, what about um bringing somebody in to talk to kids about interviews? Uh, what about doing like the speed interview game? I'm talking about interviews and resumes right now because that's what I'm teaching. But resources for me mostly is about the human resource. But there are also other things that you can use, like whatever online tool that your school uses, like see what all that thing offers. I know for us, we have Schoology. And so I try to put everything on there. I try to make different quizzes or assessments. I try to uh, have kids record in Schoology so that we can now go back and watch their video so that they can self-assess. I try to just use all of the tools that it offers. There are like completion folders that I'm screwing around with now. So just whatever resources you have, use them to their capabilities. And when you find that you're lacking in some things, I would say uh, reach out to other teachers. Like there are tons of forums online. Look at me, forums. That's how I know. There are tons of groups on Facebook. Like there's always teachers out there. There are podcasts where teachers are trying to help you or help other teachers be the best that they can be. And then another thing is, uh, you know, work smarter, not harder. There are, like I said, resources out there that are already created. So you don't have to make everything from scratch and you don't necessarily have to pay for everything either. So easy Google search, you know, chat GPT is a thing that a lot of people are using and it has been useful for me. You know, I was on the phone with another teacher earlier this evening and we were talking about just discussion topics. So I put in something very specific and it came up with some great topics, you know, so uh, use your resources as much as you can, whatever resources those are. If you don't have what you need, just a quick Google search away. You know, there are tons of groups out there that are willing and um, able to help people. And so number three is something that applies to all of us, no matter what you're doing. And that is, it's a journey. So becoming a teacher, being a teacher, sustaining yourself in teaching, in education, it's a journey because you just learn stuff along the way that uh, that's going to help you. So the first thing I looked at was create a process. You have to have a process in how you do things. You have to be able to lean on this process when things go haywire. You have to make something, you know, whether that's for lesson planning, creating the process for lesson planning. You know, sometimes people say, start with the end in mind. You know, where do we want to get people to? You know, if that process involves a calendar, you know, how many days do I have to teach this? What are my units on? And, you know, just just have to create a process for everything. 
as much as you can. Now, sometimes in teaching, things fly out the window, literally and figuratively, uh, when stuff doesn't work. So creating a process definitely will help. Uh, the second thing is do what works and leave what doesn't. You know, you can't teach your classroom like the person across the hall or your next door neighbor. You have to be yourself. And that looks different for everyone's classroom. So just make sure you take what works. And, you know, as you, again, using those resources, you know, just add whatever you can into your classroom. That's what I did. You know, the person who used to teach across the hall from me, very different in how she handled things. But there are some things that are the same. You know, we both have discipline in our classroom. There's respect in our classroom. There is uh, uplifting others in our classrooms. We did it differently, but those are some things that are always in the in a good classroom. So uh, it's a journey, you know, create a process, uh, take what works for you, leave the stuff that don't. And then life changes all the time, but the goal shouldn't unless it should. And what I mean by that, for me, uh, I didn't want to go to graduate school. I didn't see any use for it four years ago. But now, uh, in my sixth year of teaching, sixth or seventh year, because I started teaching in China, now I'm in grad school, about halfway through, and the goal changed. So pivot when you need to, and always self-assess. So just to recap, number one, self-discipline. Put something in place. Keep yourself in the right mindset and moving forward. Number two, use your resources, whatever those are. And if you don't have what you need, go find what you need. And number three, it is a journey. Create a process. Do what works. Leave what doesn't. Always self-assess. Now, of course, this is just the first episode of the week. And I'll have someone else on to talk about these same topics and really jump into the nitty gritty. So keep teaching, keep learning, and I will see you all on the next journey.